Buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. Welcome to today's Mayito Minute. First of all, happy Friday, y'all. Going to give you guys a little bit of cycling. For those of you that know me, you know that I love cycling, passionate about it, study it, read about it on all different levels. And today, I'm going to bring you guys a little bit of uh, professional cycling, specifically a story from the 2008 Tour de France, which is the biggest bike race in the world. Uh, but for those of you that are not into cycling, just stick with me and listen to uh, the narrative here first, and then I'm going to tie it into performance and how we can apply it and all that good stuff, as I always do. So let's go to 2008, the Tour de France. Again, biggest bike race in the world. And we're going to go inside of a team uh, called CSC, and they're no longer around, but uh, they had a team that particular year, arguably the, the best team, the strongest team that was in this race. And quite frankly, that had been proven to be true because on this particular moment that we're going to go to, they had three guys that were in contention realistically, to win the entire race. So to win the Tour de France, biggest bike race in the world, it's kind of the biggest thing you can accomplish in professional cycling. And this particular team had three guys that at this particular point in the race were capable of winning the whole thing, okay? Now, uh, you know, again, bike race takes place, th this particular bike race, Tour de France, takes place over 21 days and I believe that we're going to talk about stage 14 of 21. So just about a week before the end of the race. And this stage was going to be a critical one because they were in the mountains. They were in the Alps and they were going to climb this mythical kind of iconic climb called Alp Duez. And it was a day where, quite honestly, CSC, their management, you know, their sports director was like, look, we have a chance to do something special today and kind of put our stamp of approval on this race and get like one of you three guys to, uh, you know, be the leader and, and possibly have the yellow jersey and, you know, hold it all the way to Paris. And so it was a big day. It was a day where uh, they were, you know, they had ambitions, they had thoughts and aspirations of just taking the race to, you know, their competitors and to the other teams. And so the story goes that this sports director, this guy named Bjarni Reese, he sits down the three guys that are in contention to win. And one of the guys was a Spaniard named Carlos Sastre. And the other two guys were uh, twin brothers. Uh, or no, sorry, not twin brothers, they, but they were brothers. Uh, so Frank Schleck and Andy Schleck, who were from Luxembourg. And so he sits these three guys down and he's like, okay, guys, here's the deal. We've ridden really well up till now, but today's a big day. We have a chance to do something special. Uh, you know, what do y'all think would be the best way to kind of go about today tactically? How do you guys think that we should race this thing? Now, to back up a couple of steps, um, even though this was a mountain stage, even though they were in the Alps, like I said, I feel like it was stage 14, if I recall correctly. So there was still a week to go in the race. So there was still a lot of time after this particular stage, and there were still some more mountains coming, and there were some time trials and things like that. So, um, you know, it, th this wasn't the 
end all be all stage. There were going to be more opportunities down the road to do some things, but this was one that was definitely circled on their calendar. So going back to this, you know, they're, they're together. Bjarni Reese is talking to these three riders and he says, what do y'all think tactically? And the two brothers, Frank and Andy Schleck gave kind of a nebulous answer, kind of a, well, we'll kind of see how the stage plays out and see what happens and take it from there. And we don't really have to have today. We're still in a really good position, which they were, uh, to, you know, do something later. And so they were not necessarily honing in on this particular stage. Carlos Sastre, on the other hand, he says, it's simple. We win on Alpe d'Huez. We win the stage and we win the race tomorrow, right? Because this was the day before. And so anyhow, they, okay, Yarny Reese, all right, thank you guys for your input. And they just go off and, you know, go to bed, do their thing. And then the next day on the road, these three guys are in a group with all of the other favorites because it's been whittled down and they're on this climb. They're on the Alpe d'Huez. They're, they're climbing it. They're in the company of all of their rivals, the guys that could potentially win the race as well. And what do you think happened? Carlos Sastre, from a long ways out, this climb, the Alpe d'Huez, I want to say is close to 20 kilometers long, about 12 miles, and Carlos Sastre decides to attack with 11 kilometers of those 20 kilometers left in the Alpe d'Huez. So he attacked just inside, you know, just inside of seven miles into the climb. There was a lot left. You just kind of don't do that. It's a, it's a move that's not common to see. But what was interesting was he did it. And he did it with kind of reckless abandon. Uh, you know, he, he, and I can put the video, the YouTube video that I found up on, uh, in the show notes here, but he attacks and he's followed and kind of chased down and then he attacks again and then he attacks again. So he, he wasn't going to take this one lying down. He, he meant what he told Bjarni Reese. We went on Alpe Duez. And what was interesting was watching Frank and Andy Schleck and what they said to Bjarni Reese was what they were doing. And they were kind of sitting back, kind of surveying the land, kind of seeing how things were going, kind of sizing everybody up. And again, folks, I recommend, even if you're not in cycling, to just watch this video because it's so, it's so powerful to just see how the mindset and the words said the day before play themselves out on the road in a performance, right? Um, you're watching Sastre right away from everybody. By the way, he goes into the yellow jersey. By the way, he ends up winning the 2008 Tour de France, okay? But you see him riding away from everybody. You see him gritting his teeth. You see him going hard. You see him selling out. And in the pack, guess what you see? And it's amazing. You see Frank and Andy Schleck basically having a ride in the park. 
They're riding so within themselves. They're so comfortable. They're so able to be up the road. They're so able to do the same thing that Carlos Sastre did. They're so able to just easily switch places with him and be the guy that gets the yellow jersey and be the guy that wins a Tour de France. But because they had made the plan the day before, they're sitting in the pack because now they have no choice, by the way, because tactically their teammates up the road, so they, they can't chase their teammate down. That's just a tactical no-no. You make your opponents do the work. And so they're just covering all of these moves and just going with all of these attacks. And, you know, just it, it looks so easy for them. They were so capable. But they can't do anything now because the moment's gone because the guy that decided he was going to win did what he said he was going to do. And the guys that said they were just going to kind of wait around and feel things out, they're having to do now what they said they were going to do. And it's interesting if we can just go into these people's minds, into their thoughts. I mean, I'm sure the Schleck brothers probably were so frustrated and thinking to themselves, geez, I should have, you know, taken the race like Carlos did to these guys. Like I'm that capable. I'm that good to do that. And so it was just super interesting to to see that play out in cycling. So as I said, bringing this back around and applying this to ourselves and thinking about how we formulate the thoughts and plans that we have in our minds, thinking about what do we, not what do we think will happen, because that was Frank and Andy, by the way. That was the Schleck brothers. What do we think is going to happen? Well, we think maybe these guys will go. We think maybe they'll be conservative. We don't know. We're just going to kind of wait and find out. We're going to play off of what they do, and then that's going to be what we're going to do. And Carlos Sastre didn't do that. We're going to win on Alpe d'Huez. Now, he didn't care if one guy came with him. Nobody came with him, which, by the way, it was nobody. He won solo, or 10 guys came with him. He had already made up his mind. It was on everybody else to, well, are you coming with me or not? And nobody did. So going back to when we go into a performance, when we go into wanting to do something, what are the thoughts that we have? Are we more inclined to think about, well, what is everybody else going to do? What is everybody else thinking? How should I react if they do this and then I do that? Are we more inclined to do that and be more... uh, intellectual about it because then it's really easy to fall into this thing you know paralysis by analysis where we overanalyze everything and then we end up doing nothing and then we've got to like Frank and Andy Schleck we've got to sit in the pack while somebody else gets our promotion or while somebody else wins that race or while somebody else achieves that particular goal that we wanted to achieve and we're sitting there going man I could have done that I was capable of that why didn't I just act So can we be more the Carlos Sastre type? Look, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. This is my play. I'm I'm confident. I know that I'm capable. And here we go. Can we do that? Because what I have found in my professional experience talking with folks is oftentimes what we have are or what we think about What we regret are the sins of omission, not sins of commission. Now, what do I mean by that? Sins of omission would be those times when we feel like we should have done something. We feel like we should have acted. We feel like we should have taken the onus to act 
to do, to think a certain way. Versus sin's a commission, which is, you know, act now and, and ask for forgiveness later. Think about it. Think about it in our own lives. Most of the time, we're regretful of, we're disappointed with the times when we should have and we didn't, not the times when we did and we should not have. So I'm going to leave it there. Can we apply this? Can we think deeply on this? Do we have, do you have something coming up where you've already been thinking a little bit more analytical, a little bit more intellectual? Can you cross over and be more the, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to play out. Can you force your will? Can you force your game plan onto whatever it is that you're wanting to do and then have that thing come about? I believe that to be so. I believe that that happens. I believe that successful people, that's how they think. I know that's how they think. I know that's how they go about doing things. Many times people say that they get lucky. It's not that they get lucky. It's that they've made up their minds. When you get to the climb, when you get to the Alpduez, you've made up your mind and you go and you take the bull by the horns. Sorry to use that cliche, but it fits. All right, folks, that's what I've got. What do y'all think about that? Do y'all think it makes sense? Does it not make sense? Have you struggled with this? Would you like some further help with this? This is, quite frankly, this is an area where accountability would be huge, where having somebody to push you to say, hey, wait a minute, do you realize what you're doing here? Do you realize that you're, you're taking a more passive approach here? You should take a more aggressive approach. This is where having that would be very beneficial and would be very worthwhile. And I can do that for you. So if you're interested, send me an email, mario at utmostperformance.org. Check out the website, utmostperformance.info. And we can partner up and I can help you along with your journey, whatever it is that you're looking to do and be successful with. Folks, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. Those of you that listen on a consistent basis, I appreciate you guys so very much. If you're not a consistent listener yet, become one. Just start tuning into these bad boys. I put them out pretty frequently. All right, folks, y'all have a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time.